The Secret Church Podcast is a resource from Radical.net. For the Secret Church 14 study guide and other resources that go along with this audio, visit Radical.net slash SC14. This is Secret Church 14, Episode 9. That leads to the cross and social media and entertainment. Did you know that if social media, country, social media companies were countries, Facebook would be the world's most populous behind only China? One out of every seven minutes spent online is on Facebook. Every single day, Facebook users spend 10.5 billion minutes. Every single day, almost 20,000 years on that social network. Did you know that there are 58 million tweets a day? That's over 9,000 every second. We interact with our mobile devices on an average 40 to 80 times a day. 91% of mobile internet access is for social activities. Half of smartphones connect to Facebook every hour of every day. And the effects are not limited to adults. Research continues to show with the overwhelming numbers that heavy media exposure in children greatly increases their risk of harm, including obesity, smoking, sex, drug and alcohol use, attention problems, and poor grades. So what are we to do with this world? Are we, we just to hide our head in the sand and have nothing to do with social media or entertainment for that matter? Or is there a way to do social media, to listen to music, to watch movies, to post and tweet and email and do whatever to the glory of God? I, I think there is but it involves intentionality that goes against the grain of the culture in which we live. So what I've put in here are 10 cross-centered commandments for entertainment and social media. So if we've been crucified with Christ and Christ lives in us, then how does that affect the way we approach entertainment and social media? First, cross-centered commandment, fear God. Fear God. It is easy to forget when we're interacting with each other, entertaining one another, that ultimately God is watching every single thing we watch, write, post, send. Nothing is hidden from him. Even in, especially in the moments when we're on our phone or computer and nobody else is watching. He sees all, knows all. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. And Jesus calls us to deal with any sin in our lives seriously. If your hand calls you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life crippled than two hands to go into hell. The unquenchable fire. So do whatever it takes in entertainment and social media to be holy as God is holy. This is starting point. Fear God. Like, don't disconnect God from what you're doing on your phone. God is there in what you're doing on the phone. He cares about what you're doing on your phone. So fear God. Second, flee sexual immorality. We've talked about this earlier, but it bears repeating. Flee sexual lust, having wrong sexual desires yourself. So it is... It is just as easy. Everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So thinking about desiring anything sexually outside of your wife or your husband, it is just as easy to commit that kind of adultery like this to entertainment and social media today as it is anything else. Flee all sexual lust. Flee sexual immodesty, provoking wrong sexual desires in others. So don't, let's not post pictures that provoke sexual desires in others. It's sin. That's sin. It's sin. It's sin. Flee sexual allurement, including inappropriate emotional attachment outside of marriage. Multitudes of divorce today are caused by discontented spouses rekindling old relationships through Facebook. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Keep your heart. Flee sexual allurement. And obviously, this, this goes both ways. Men enticing women, women enticing men. Flee all sexual looking outside of marriage. Make a covenant with your eyes not to look at anything that doesn't honor God. Job 31. 
What are you, what are you watching? Not just online, but in TV and movies. This, this quote from Kevin DeYoung is so helpful. We have to take a hard look at the things we choose to put in front of our faces. If there was a couple engaged in sexual activity on a couch in front of you, would you pull up a seat to watch? No, that'd be perverse, voyeuristic. So why is it different when people recorded it first and then you watch? What if a good-looking guy or girl, barely dressed, came up to you on the beach and said, why don't you sit on your towel right here and stare at me a while? Would you do it? No, that'd be creepy. Why is it acceptable then when the same images are blown up the size of a three-story building? On a movie screen. This makes no sense. So flee entertainment. Flee entertainment that exalts, glamorizes, jokes around about, and or makes light of sex outside of marriage. Flee it. Ephesians 5, 11 and 12 says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. It is shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. Again, Kevin's so helpful here. I know it's a long quote, but this is huge. It's one thing to describe evil or even depict it. I'd never suggest that good writing or filmmaking must avoid the subject of sin. There are many thoughtful, tasteful movies, television shows, plays, musicals, books out there. The good ones usually deal with sin. Sin by itself is not the problem. The Bible's full of rank immorality. It'd be simplistic and morally untenable. Even unbiblical suggests you cannot watch sin or read about sin without sinning yourself. But the Bible never titillates with its description of sin. It never paints vice with virtue's colors. It doesn't entertain with evil unless to mock it. The Bible does not dull the conscience by making sin look normal and righteousness look strange. And there are no pictures of plunging necklines. If we're honest, we often seek exposure to sexual immorality and temptations to impurity and call it innocent relaxation. Commenting on Ephesians 5.3, Peter O'Brien observes that as Christians, we should not only shun all forms of sexual immorality, we should avoid thinking and talking about them. Even our jesting should be pure, lest we show a dirty mind expressing itself in vulgar conversation. If, as O'Brien remarks, talking and thinking about sexual sins creates an atmosphere in which they're tolerated and which can promote their practice, how can we justify paying money to see, taste, and laugh at sexual sin? How can we stare at sensuality which aims to amuse and arouse and weaken our conscience and deaden our sense of spiritual things even if it's on ordinary cable or only rated PG-13? We must consider the possibility that much of what church-going people do to unwind would not pass muster for the Apostle Paul, not to mention God. Brothers and sisters, we must be more vigilant with our kids, with our families, with our Facebook accounts, with our texts, with our tweets, with our own eyes and hearts. Are we any different than the culture? Have we made a false peace with ourselves whereby we've said, we won't do the things you do or be essential as you are, but we will gladly watch you do them for us? The kinds of things Paul's, Paul wouldn't even mention. The sort of sins he wouldn't even dare joke about. The behavior is too shameful to even name. We hear about them in almost every sitcom and see them on screens bigger than our homes. Here is worldliness as much as anywhere in the Christian life. Try turning off the television and stand away from the movies for a month and see what new things you, you see when you come back. I fear many of us have become numb to the poison we're drinking. When it comes to sexual immorality, sin looks normal, righteousness looks very strange, and we look a lot like everybody else. We need to hear this. God, help us to fear you and flee sexual immorality. If we applied these two cross-centered commandments, it would radically revolutionize the way we approach entertainment and social media. And some people might say this is extreme, but in light of the words of Christ to us, the presence of Christ in us, the glory of God above us, how, how can we not be extreme in this culture? Third, speak wisely. So the power of words is all over Scripture. Now we're kind of moving specifically into... Uh, uh, inter, uh, social media. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You might say, out of the abundance of the heart, the finger types and the message posts. So, 
Think before you speak. Social media, it's built on spontaneity, immediacy. You, you text back and forth quickly. You post this or that in the moment. You fire off this or that message. You tweet in real time. And if we're not careful, we'll do a lot of this without thinking, without stopping to think. Hear the word at warning of Proverbs 10. When words are many, transgressions not lacking. Whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Proverbs 11, gotta love this one. Like a gold ring and a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. Proverbs 13, 3, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens his wide his lips comes to ruin. Look down in Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see a man who's hasty in his words? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Don't be hasty with your words. Everybody person be quick to hear, slow to speak, James 1. So think, ask questions like, will what I say adorn the gospel? Is what I say, Colossians 3, going to be gracious, seasoned with salt, wise, kind? Will it reflect positive light on the picture of Christ in me? Well, what I say, glorify God. Let your tweeting, posting, blogging, Instagramming so shine before men that they see it and they glorify your Father in heaven. Think before you speak. Avoid evil and angry speech. Fools quarrel, especially over texting, messaging, and email. Somehow we start to think that evil and angry speech are okay if we're not saying it out loud. It's still sin when it's digital. Avoid retaliatory and inflammatory speech. There's no shortage of arguments online over politics, sports, religion, whatever. Arguments that often inflame. The beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before the quarrel breaks out. Avoid gossip and slander. Is everything you say on the internet useful for building up others according to their needs in Christ Jesus? Ephesians 4.29. Avoid grumbling and complaining. Do all things without grumbling. Resist the temptation to make social media an outlet for your grumbling. And finally, avoid saying on a screen what you wouldn't say in person. It is so much easier in an email or a Facebook message or a blog to say something to or about someone that you would not say if you were looking that person in the eye. If that's the case, don't say it. And if it's particularly strong, then say it in person, not via text, email, Facebook, whatever. Don't be a lion behind the keyboard and a lamb in front of people. There needs to be consistency there. Fourth, communicate honestly. This virtual world we live in, we can make ourselves out to be whoever we want to be. Facebook is full of personas where everybody looks perfect, like they've got it all together, but nobody really does. So communicate honestly about yourself. That doesn't mean we need to bear everything, our entire soul online, along with every struggle we have. Believe it or not, there are things in our lives that don't have to or need to be shared with the entire world. But share with people who are closest to us. But resist the temptation to put forward a false image of yourself or others for that matter. Obviously not communicating lies about others, Proverbs 19.9. And the root of all this is pride. So fifth commandment, cultivate humility. With the humble is wisdom. Think John 3.30 here. He must become greater, I must become less. Approach social media with that mindset. Which means when somebody else says something good about you on Twitter, you don't need to retweet it so that everybody else knows that thing that's good about you. Proverbs 27, let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger not your own lips. Avoid the humble brag, saying how humbled and honored you are to achieve something, when the reality is you're just letting everybody know what you achieved and that you're humble about it. If you've been foolish, exalting yourself, or if you've been devising evil, put your hand on your mouth. Don't base your identity or your mood on how many likes you get or retweets or pokes or follows or whatever, whatever it is. Focusing on these things reveals a desire for man's approval that is undercutting the contentment that we're intended to find in Christ alone. Cultivate humility before him, before others. Six, have accountability. Every single one of us needs this in our lives. We need, we all need brothers and sisters who have access to all the social media that we have access to. 
and who know what we're doing in these social media outlets. I, I do not have an email address, for example, that somebody else can't get into, or Twitter, or Facebook, or whatever. Don't put yourself in a position where you have a social media outlet that other brothers or sisters in Christ don't know about. Don't trust yourself that much. Don't trust yourself. Come cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Iron sharpens iron. You need people sharpening you. This is huge for all of us. I would even go a step further to say this is particularly huge for children, teenagers. I would encourage us as parents not to let our children, teenagers, have independent internet or social networking access. Now, I don't have teenagers yet, but I've spent a good bit of time talking about this with brothers and sisters who do, and we must be vigilant to protect our children's minds and our hearts in the midst of social media, to know everything they're watching, playing, hearing, experiencing, know everything they're interacting with, know what they're posting, how they're chatting. You say, that takes a lot of work. This is all we remember. Nobody told us that parenting was going to be easy. We don't trust our own sinful hearts. We certainly don't trust the sinful, vulnerable hearts of our children either. I have accountability. We build in accountability. It's a good thing. Seventh, maintain mastery. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Are you controlling social media in your life or is it controlling you? Is your phone a constant pull that whenever you have a free minute, you're on it? Or even when you don't have free minutes, you're in conversations with others, you're sitting around with your family, but you're still pulling it out and checking it. Are you a slave to social media? Are you a slave to your phone? Are you a slave to Facebook? How many in it, minutes, hours a day are you spending on it? We'll talk about time more in a minute. But much of this comes back to mastery. So walk in the Spirit, not controlled by anything else but Him. He's your constant master. He's your guide, not your phone or Facebook or Twitter, Instagram. And all this, number eight, guard your heart. With all diligence, guard your heart from envy and jealousy. Social media can so quickly kill contentment. You see this person who has that or that person who's achieved this and you suddenly start to think, oh, I, I want that or I need that or I'd like to achieve this. And suddenly, almost knowingly, you see what everybody else is doing or just know about what somebody else is doing and it's fueling covetousness and insecurity and discontentment, what you have and where you are. And what's crazy is what hardly ever crossed our mind to think that these other people might not be content either and they're looking at others in ways that fuel covetousness and discontentment in their own lives. And all of a sudden, social media just becomes this massive circle of envy and jealousy. And into this, Scripture says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Guard your heart from envy, jealousy. Guard your heart from pride and ambition. Guard your heart from unhealthy friendships and unhelpful associations. So who and what we're liking on Facebook is communicating something. Who are we following? Who are we friending? Who are we associating with online? What, what if a pastor or a close trust, trusted Christian friend saw and knew every bit of your online association and interaction? Would that change anything about that interaction? Then if so, how much more should Christ seeing and knowing all of that change these things? Just as much, well, bad company ruins good morals, 1 Corinthians 15, and that's true just as much online as it is offline. Commandment nine, renew your mind. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So is this what's happening in your mind on a daily basis? We talked about loving God with all our minds. The problem so many of us face, though, is our minds are so full with so much from social media that we don't have any room for God's Word. A little bit of God's Word, a lot from the world. That doesn't mean we have to avoid social media altogether and just read the Bible. But are there even ways you can use social media to renew your mind? So are there apps, Twitter streams, Facebook pages that are going to help fuel the renewal of your mind in healthy ways? And then, even if it's, it's not particularly 
I mean, helpful in that, but it's, it's not contaminating your mind. Beware certain things. Beware falsehood. Beware, beware outright lies. Don't fill your mind with lies on the internet or in social media. Beware filth, which is available at our fingertips at any moment of the day. Beware frivolity. Beware filling your mind with endless drizzle. We can fill our mind with so much meaningless via social media, which is not healthy, profitable. And we can waste so much, so much time, which leads to the last cross-centered, Christ-compelled companion. Redeem your time. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Our, our, our lives are a vapor. They're a mist. They're here for a little while, then we're gone, which means every moment counts. So let's make the most of our time. Let's make the most of every opportunity, walking in wisdom toward outsiders. So there are so many ways social media can be used for the spread of the gospel. Let's not disconnect this conversation, what we were talking about in 1 Corinthians 9. Rearrange your use of social media for the spread of the gospel. I was talking with these guys about about Turkey, and some of the believers that we heard from, some of the believers that they met when they went over and were interviewing different people, came to Christ online. So they're here. God's given us something great. So let's maximize it, not to promote ourselves, not to fuel discontentment, to go back and forth with people in unhealthy ways. Let's maximize this good gift for the spread of the gospel, the glory of God. Even in that, let's maximize opportunities through social media. Don't neglect other priorities, including your time at work. We hear that some of you, some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies on Maybe not busybodies, Facebook fiends, Twitter scrollers, picture posters, whatever. God's created you and I to work hard for his glory. If we're not careful, social media will kill productivity in ways that don't honor God. Don't neglect time to rest, which we're going to talk about more in just a second. But I, I'm totally guilty of there's so many, so many different things along here, but when I have a free minute, I think, oh, I don't want to waste it just sitting here. So I pull out the phone and I'll do, I need to do something productive. But what if it'd actually be good to sit there? Let my mind rest. There's health in that. Don't neglect your time with people. Don't neglect your time with people. Social media can't replace personal interaction with friends, with family. Have boundaries in your family on the use of social media so you actually have quality face-to-face time with each other. Even if you're sitting around, God forbid, just talking. And don't neglect your time with God. So, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. Not text without ceasing or check messages without ceasing. What, what if prayer was a more automatic reflex in our lives than checking our phones was? Thank you for listening. You can find more episodes from Secret Church and thousands of other free resources at Radical.net.